Good morning, and welcome once again to MoneyWise with Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group, your financial and retirement guide. Thanks for making us part of your morning. The mission of USA Wealth is to help you protect your family and protect your money. And once again, here's your host, Ray Lance. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of MoneyWise. Thank you so much for listening to our show every week. We're on both Saturday and Sunday mornings on different radio stations. We're on WSAR on Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, and we are on WBSM on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Thank you very much for listening to us every week. Today we're going to talk about something that I like to say is inevitable. We're going to talk about death, we're going to talk about funeral homes, and we're going to talk about what you need to know about planning your funeral and burial. And I know a lot of people don't like to plan at all, but this is a very important thing. Let's think of what happens if you don't plan, for example. None of us knows exactly how long we're going to be here. But if you haven't done any planning at all, think about all the wonderful, nasty things they could say about you in the paper after you're gone. Whereas if you plan ahead of time, you have a chance to write your own obituary, for example, which could be fact or fiction. I've been reading some very interesting obituaries lately, and it's really interesting some of the creative things that people put in the newspaper. But um, most importantly, do something to do some planning. Don't delay. Benjamin Franklin once said, you may delay, but time will not. And we never know how long we're going to be here. Well, this morning, ladies and gentlemen, we have two very special guests with us. We have, first of all, from um, the... A company called, yes? Waring, Sullivan, and Rock Funeral Homes, which is a part of the Dignity Memorial Network. And the Dignity Memorial Network we're going to talk a little bit further about. We're pleased to have with us and welcome Tiffany Witte. Good morning. And Tiffany, you're also known as Tiffany Witte Simpson. Yes, I just got married the end of June. Good, excellent. Well, congratulations for that. And... um, I'm going to ask you a little bit later in the show if you've done funeral planning because you have a funeral planning background. She's shaking her heads, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we also have with us this morning uh, someone who is a a favorite guest is attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning, everyone. And thank you, ladies, for being here. Now, Tiffany, I know a little bit about your background. I know that you are the manager of pre-planning program for Dignity Memorial. And you're also a licensed funeral director in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and New York. Yes. So that's pretty impressive. And um, I know you're also a graduate of New England Institute at Mount Ida College, and you hold a bachelor's degree in funeral home management. I never knew you could get a bachelor's degree in funeral home management. It's a newer program. Um, most people prior to 2000s, I would say, have an associate's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a rising individual, I felt it appropriate to have a manager's uh, background, if you will, um, with the bachelor's because it can be used in many, uh, many purposes in the field, if you will. Sure. So you must know every aspect of funeral planning then as far as what kind of a casket to pick out, whether somebody should be cremated or whether somebody should be buried or what their wishes are, actually. Absolutely. So part of being a funeral director um, and going to school is you have to learn every aspect of the industry. 
We have to take a national board just like nurses have to do and other mm. organizations. You have to be licensed in each state, and each state has its own rules and regulations. Even Massachusetts and Rhode Island, even though they're bordering states, they have different rules and regulations. So it's definitely interesting to see how, even though it's regulated from the Federal Trade Commission, how every state is still a little bit different for the same type of industry. I want to ask you one question that's a little out of sequence from some of the things that I have outlined to talk about today. Um, Do any of the funeral homes that you're affiliated with have drive-by viewing possible? Not in the New England area. There are other states throughout the company that may have them. So I've heard about that in California, for example, where it's just like going through a drive-up window at a bank or a drive-through window at McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts, and the funeral uh, casket is actually there on display in a window. And if you're busy, you can just drive by and pay your respects and drive on. Yes. But that's uh, that seems a little creepy to me, frankly. <laughs> well, I wouldn't argue. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if it comes to New England or not. I think we be we are much more traditional in uh, New England. Well, uh, Tiffany Whitty, I know that a lot of people know you by that name. Um, what do you do as a uh, pre-planning manager? Do you help people? Do you sit down with people and help them plan what they want to do for their funerals? I assume is the most basic thing. Absolutely. So we're available for families 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And ideally, we want to be able to sit down with a family before the need should arise. Um, As you said earlier, many people are planners. Many people aren't planners. But the time to not be a planner before is when a funeral occurs. Sure. That's the worst time to plan, isn't it, at the last minute? Absolutely. I I tell our families and my friends that when you prearrange your funeral, You think with your mind, whereas when you plan your funeral at the time, you're thinking with your heart, and they don't always match up. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're spending a little bit more than you probably would have if you're thinking a little clearer. So for us, it's important that the family is actually getting what they want, something that they can afford as well. So let's talk about some of the good reasons why it's important to plan ahead of time. It sounds like one certainly would be cost. Absolutely. They can budget accordingly. Um, but also they can get a better idea. Many times people only experience a death maybe once or twice in their life, and a lot of times it can be spread out. So the last funeral they may have been involved in may have only cost them Mm $2,000. But they say the average funeral doubles every 10 years. So as time goes up, inflation and cost goes up as well. So when they're thinking, oh, it's $2,000, but it might actually be 8000 it definitely uh, portrays a shock for a family that could be unprepared for such a cost. So cost is really important. Obviously, that's a significant factor. But also, I think everybody has a right to decide what kind of a service or funeral would they like to have for themselves. And um, let's, let's talk about some of the um, choices that we might have for funerals. So cremation is obviously a possibility. Absolutely. So there are a lot more options with cremations now than there were in the past, and there's always burial. But the part of the reason for making funeral arrangements in general is because the funeral is actually for the survivors. It's not necessarily about the individual themselves. That's really a good point. Absolutely. So it's for your friends, it's for your families, it's for your coworkers and the neighbors, the people that knew the individual that need that support system to help them through such a difficult time. It also helps with customs and traditions, and many times people 
uh, a parent may have been actively involved with the church, but they became ill and were unable to attend. That's important to them. And again, to the family, they need that those rituals, those rites that they're, they're entitled to as part of their customs. Mm-hmm. And then also you talk a little bit about burial and cremation. But regarding cremation, as I said before, there's many options. And the things you want to think about is what you are going to do with the cremated remains. Are you going to bury them in a cemetery? Are you going to legally scatter them? Are you going to keep them? And if you're going to keep them, a thing to think about is if it's going to your children. Maybe you knew your grandchildren, maybe you didn't. So now if something happens to your child after you've passed, your grandchild is going to inherit your cremated remains. Now they may have known you, they may have not known you, So sometimes it puts a family in a situation as, what do I do? Am I doing the right thing? But a lot of times people need a place of remembrance. So that's why cemeteries are very important, even with cremation. So let's come back and let's focus on cremation for just a moment. Um, What percentage of people do you think are getting cremated today as opposed to being buried? Is there any way to quantify that? It's definitely um, increased over the past, and again, different areas um, affect the cremation ratio, if you will. Um, I would probably say it's closer to the 40% range on an average throughout the nation. Okay, that's very interesting. Tenny, let me jump over to you for a moment. Attorney Tenny Lance, uh, you do a lot of work in the area of estate planning, obviously, and um, I know that some of the documents that you provide, besides doing the wills and trusts and things of that nature that you do, you always ask questions about what people want done when they're gone, right? Well, yes, we do. Uh, And we provide with our documents certain forms that they can fulfill themselves. Uh, One of them is something called a funeral and burial instruction sheet with all kinds of things to fill in, such as uh, who should be notified what kinds of service do you want, what kind of music would you prefer, uh, any readings or so forth, uh, where do you want to be buried. So that's a service that we provide when we uh, do the estate planning documents. And the other is an anatomical gift form. And uh, that would be important if you were someone who wanted to donate your eyes or your liver or whatever you might want to do my dad, for example, donated his entire body to Tufts Medical so that they could use it for study. And that was, that was wonderful on his part. The tough part for us was we didn't get his body back for, I think it was something like eight months mm-hmm. to bury. So but it's a useful thing to do. If somebody wants to benefit a medical school or medical science, you can donate your body. So you can get anatomical gift forms uh, from you, Tenny. How do they reach you, by the way, Tenny? Oh, if you'd like to be in touch with our office, please call 508-998-8800. We'd be happy to send out these forms to anyone who would like. Um, Certainly the uh, gift form is part of the driver's license system also, and Tiffany might know more about that. I have that in my driver's license, by the way, also, Tiffany. So if I'm in a car accident and something happens to me, Somebody can look at my driver's license and know that I wish to be an organ donor. Do you advise people in that also? Absolutely. I do recommend that if an individual wants to be an organ donor, that they place it on their license. But another thing I strongly encourage is that if they don't want to be an organ donor, that they let their family know. Because if you pass away in a hospital now, 
they are reaching out to every family to see whether or not mm -hmm. an organ donation can take place. Yep. So again, I strongly encourage communication because if that's something you're against, you want to make sure your family knows that so it doesn't take place. Right. Ultimately, it would be up to the family to make that decision at the time. That's a really important point. But if you have any desire yourself that you'd like to be an organ donor, you really ought mm -hmm. to decide that now and not leave it up to your family to try to figure it out later. Correct. You know, a, a lot of people have some really good body parts that they could reuse again. Mostly it's eyes, I would assume. Um, there's there's more options available now. Um, they okay. can do long bone. They can do skin. They can do main organs and eyes as well. So you have your choice and you have your right to decide if you want only one item donated or if you want everything or certain things donated. Mm -hmm. So, again, it is important to think about it now than to leave it up to the family later. You know, like if I have a really good pair of ears, for example, that I want to leave to somebody. But, you know, even recently there have been stories about hands. Yes, I saw that on the news. Uh, there was a young boy who needed a hand transplant. And there was another young boy who died and they were able to take his hands and give this young man who didn't have a hand and give him new hands. And even face transplants. Mm -hmm. Well, nobody wants my face um, as we get older, you know, um, unless I had plastic surgery or something, <laughs> I suppose. But no, I'm not going to be interested in donating my face. Nobody would want to see my face again after I'm gone. <laughs> well, you know, Benjamin Franklin once said, I look upon death to be as necessary to our constitution as sleep. We shall rise refreshed in the morning. It was great for quotations, but, you know, this is this is really a, uh, to give a little pun here, it's really a, a deadly important subject, isn't it? Everybody. It is. <laughs> and I like to say sometimes it's important to put the fun in funeral. I like oh, that that's idea. Interesting. You know, I've always said that when I'm gone, I'd like to have some kind of a party, maybe like they do down in New Orleans. Tenny, what are your wishes when you're gone? Well, um, this relates to the family tradition that I've been a part of, where my mother would always decorate graves. And so my daughter and I have continued that tradition. And every Memorial Day, we decorate the graves of both sets of grandparents on all sides, my mom and dad, my brother, Ray's mother, um, it, it takes us all day to do all the graves, but I want that done. I always told people I want a posy on my grave, and I want somebody to think of me once a year. A posy. Do they still make posies? Probably. Okay. <laughs> well, there are two things that are really important to think about, ladies and gentlemen. One absolutely is to make sure you have appropriate legal documents in place and express what your wishes are. Now, I guess, Tenny, there's no sense in putting your – Funeral and burial instructions in a will. Is that correct? That's correct because the will is only used uh, at the time of probate, which usually takes place a month or three or nine after you're deceased. So, so it's too you, late. Yep. So don't think you can write your funeral and burial instructions in a will because by the time the will is probated, somebody has made those decisions a long time ago. So um, let me ask you a question, Tiffany. Who's the person who can make decisions if you haven't made a plan for yourself? Next of kin? Great question. Yes, it is your legal next of kin. And especially with cremation, your legal next of kin all has equal rights. So if you have two children, those two children are your legal next of kin, and they have equal rights. So that is important 
especially if you don't communicate with family. Many times there's separate ties. So as they're, as the legal next of kin at the time, they have the final arrangement. So that's why we strongly encourage that you do pre-plan and make your funeral arrangements in advance to show your intentions to eliminate the peace of mind for yourself and to eliminate any doubt or guesswork for your family. So, Tiffany, I know that um, you're the manager of the pre-planning program for Dignity Memorial, and I also know that in this particular area, uh, you're working largely with the Waring Sullivan Funeral Homes and also the Rock Funeral Homes. Correct. And um, what are the locations for those facilities? So we have one right here in Fairhaven on Washington Street. That's called the Fairlawn Mortuary. We have the Dartmouth Funeral Home on Russell's Mills in Dartmouth. We have the Waring Sullivan Cherry Place location in Fall River on Winter Street. We have um, Birchcrest, which is also a part of Waring Sullivan in Swansea. And we have the Rose E. Sullivan on County Street in Somerset. And we have the Rock Funeral Home located on Ashley Boulevard in New Bedford. Mm. So you have a pretty big job in terms of all the pre-planning programs that you manage. Um, how many funeral homes are you particularly dealing with? Well, in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, we have 30 a part of the Dignity Memorial Network, and I oversee 18 for the pre-planning. Now, do you actually see individuals uh, yourself, or do you have other people as well who work with you? I do see individuals myself, but we also have individuals uh, that work with me. Okay. And is there any cost to have somebody sit down and do pre-planning? Absolutely not. And we strongly encourage it. And we'll come to the house. We'll come to the attorney's office. We'll meet wherever it's convenient in the funeral home or with a family. I've even met someone at Dunkin' Donuts because they wanted to meet there. Hmm. Well, maybe they'll have some donuts in their casket or their coffin. In their coffee mug. <laughs> in their coffee mug. People have done that. Now, do you call it a casket or a coffin? I call it a casket, and there is a difference. Okay. It has to do with the shape and the style, which makes up the uh, unit, if you will. That's mm-hmm. what the difference is. What's the typical range and cost of a casket, for example? Range and cost of a casket can begin anywhere from 500 to tens of thousands. It all depends on the style, the makeup, the material. People ask a lot of times, is a wood more expensive than a metal or the other way around? And I I break it down into categories. And both wood and metals have different categories. So it's kind of hard to say one's more expensive than the other. You kind of really have to compare apples to apples. Mm. I asked a client once the question of whether she had made arrangements for uh, funeral planning. She said, yes. She said, I bought my casket and it cost me $15,000. And I said, isn't $15,000 a lot of money? And she said, yes, but it's so beautiful. <laughs> so you can do that if you want to. Absolutely, you can do that. And something to be aware of, as I mentioned before, the Federal Trade Commission is involved. Prior to 1984, when a person picked out a casket, that included everything, the services of the funeral home, vehicles, transportation, and they put it all in the price of a casket. Mm. Now, thanks to the Federal Trade Commission, everything's itemized, so a family knows exactly what they're paying for specifically. So it's like full disclosure then, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, that's important because you really need to know what the costs are like. Do you need to have a concrete – I guess Massachusetts for burial requires a concrete vault in the ground? That is not correct. No, okay. Each cemetery sets their own requirements. Uh So it's not a state law. It's not a federal law. Each cemetery sets their own. 
um, here in the New Bedford area, there's um, some that are ran by the city. There's some that are ran by the Catholic diocese. There's some ran by the town or individually ran. So they all have different restrictions and regulations. Okay. So, you know, trying to finish up on the subject of cremation, um, when somebody has been cremated, do they get a box? Do they get an urn? Do they have to have an urn to put the ashes in? How does that work? So the cremated remains do come from the crematory in a temporary cremation container. Now, you can choose to purchase an urn. You can provide a, a, a unit from home. You can purchase an urn other places. Again, depending on what you're going to be doing with the cremated remains, we offer scattering urns or biodegradable urns. Some cemeteries may or may not require a concrete enclosure. We call it an urn vault, if you will. Okay. Um, and there's multiple options available with that as well. Um, so it kind of is a personal preference unless the cemetery states specifically. Mm. You mentioned something that uh, caught my ear. You said uh, a legal place for disposition of ashes. Um, what do you mean by that? You can scatter ashes legally three nautical miles offshore. Okay. I did it once in uh, Paden Aram Harbor, I think. I didn't hear that. But I don't really remember. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so it's not possible to scatter ashes over a cornfield or anything like that? It's not supposed to be done. Okay. But I bet it happens sometimes. Now, Sandy, uh, when you're gone, I know you want to be cremated, right? I do, yes. And what do you want to have done with your remains? I want my remains to be planted in a cemetery. I haven't decided which one yet, and I need to do that. Uh, and I want someone to come and plant posies on me. Posies. <laughs> posies are small flowers, right? Okay. Yes. Well, I, I, I also wish to be cremated, so this is two public statements. And I want my ashes dumped uh, partly in New Hampshire off of a mountain. Maybe they have different laws in New Hampshire. And partly in the water, partly in the ocean. Well, again, three nautical miles off the shore, that will be not a problem. <laughs> so that no more remembrance may be had of him by men <laughs> and so forth. So by the two of you saying your wishes, it's wonderful that you're saying it to each other. Yes. But also I strongly encourage, and I think Tenny would agree with me, to write this down. So are you saying afterwards you'd like to sit down with me and write some information down? We can do that. We actually have actually completed the funeral and burial instruction Excellent. forms as well. Excellent. You know, it is an important thing to do, though, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and we're talking with attorney Tenny Lance this morning and also with Tiffany Whitty from the Dignity of Dignity Memorial Company, is that the proper name for it? Network. Um, Network of Funeral Homes. We are Waring Sullivan and Rock. Waring Sullivan and Rock Funeral Homes. And um, I've had situations in my own family where I had to do the planning at the last minute because my parents did not. So when my mother died, uh, she we knew what some of her general wishes were, but I basically had to write the funeral service and select the music and deliver the eulogy and I did the same thing for my father. My father was a little bit easier, and I would like to switch over to the subject of military funerals for a moment. Um, he spent 20 years in the Marine Corps, combat veteran, uh, World War II in Korea. And we knew he was going to pass away. And what we did at the end for him is I simply called up the local Marine Corps Reserve Unit and said, my father is dying. He's got cancer. Um, we expect him to live another three or four months um, 
how can I arrange for a funeral service for him, military service? And they said, just let us know. We'll take care of it. That's all the discussion I ever had with them. Absolutely. So I am very passionate about our military funerals. And thank you to your father for his service. It definitely is appreciated. And we, if it wasn't for him and the other gentlemen and women that have served, we wouldn't be here. So I do feel it's appropriate to give back to them and to thank them. Um, many families don't realize that in order to obtain military honors, a discharge from the military is very important to have. It's called a DD-214 or an enlisted record of separation, depending on the years they were in the military. And what that entitles them to, as long as they were honorably discharged, is military honors. Uh, We're lucky enough to have the National Cemetery in our backyard over at Bourne. Mm. So that entitles them and their spouse to burial. It would also entitle any dependent child under the age of 21 due to any medical um, concerns or under the age of 18, even if they passed before the veteran. Um, so, so that's something to be aware of. There's really a lot to understand about military funerals. We're going to come back to that topic in just a minute. We're going to take a short break, and um, we are uh, meeting with Attorney Tenny Lance this morning. We're talking about funeral and burial planning, and we also uh, have as our guest uh, Tiffany Whitty from the Waring Sullivan and Rock Funeral Homes, and she's the director of uh, manager of pre-planning. So we'll be back in just a minute, and I'm going to leave you with one little thought before we do. And this is from um, Mark Twain. I did not attend his funeral, but I wrote a nice letter saying I approved it. So um, with that little fun note, we'll be back in just a moment and continue our discussion of funeral and burial planning. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about funeral and burial planning this morning. Very, very important subjects. If you haven't made your own funeral and burial plans, you owe it to yourself to give a call to uh, Tiffany Whitty, who's our guest from the Rock Funeral Homes and the Waring Sullivan Funeral Homes. Tiffany, how does somebody reach you if they'd like to make an appointment time to come in and sit down and talk about pre-planning? Sure. You can reach me or my staff at 508 508- Six seven six one nine three three for Waring Sullivan, or five zero eight nine nine five five seven seven two for Rock. And is there a website they can visit? Yes, uh, Waring Sullivan is Waring hyphen Sullivan dot com, and that is W A R I N G hyphen S U L L I V A N, and Rock is Rock hyphen Funeral dot com. Okay, and, and Tenny, if somebody wants to reach you and talk to you about some of the legal documents that might need to be put in place, how can they reach Attorney Tenny Lance? Please call us at 508-998-8800, or you can send us an email at LanceLF, that's L-A-N-T-Z-L-F, at AOL.com. Okay, well, thank you very much, ladies, for being here this morning. This is a really serious subject, but... You need to take some time to do some planning. Uh, it's critically important. You know, I left you with a quotation from Mark Twain. I want to give you another quotation from Mark Twain as we begin this last half hour. Let us endeavor so to live that when we come to die, even the undertaker will be sorry. And those are good words to live by in terms of how we live our life. So we're talking about the subject of military funerals um, when my father passed away, um, when he actually died, I called up the reserve unit again to tell him that he had passed. 
and they asked for some details. Uh, he had retired as a first sergeant in the Marine Corps, and they were very impressed with that fact and the, where he had served and so forth. He served not only in World War II but also in Korea. And um, I've always had amazing respect for what he must have gone through that you know I never had to go through. And um, we had 17 Marines show up in dress blues for his funeral. And they came in and they uh, had flag draped the coffin and uh, they had six Marines uh, in dress blues escort the casket out to the, the hearse and, and on to the funeral home. Uh, they had a graveside service. Um, there was a hillside up above the gravesite where he was buried and there was an entire line of Marines up there. Remember that, Tenny? Oh, yes. It was very impressive, moving and it was worthy. impressive, emotional. They played taps. They did a rifle salute. Uh, they presented the American flag and, and all that. So military funeral, for those who are entitled, is uh, critically important. And um, so how does somebody arrange for a, a military funeral today, uh, Tiffany, if they are interested in doing so? They just need to work with their local funeral director. Again, the military generally deals with the funeral home. As you said before, you just made one phone call. That's because they were working behind the scenes with the funeral home to oversee that. So it is important to have the veterans discharge paperwork, but also um, we will reach out to the National Cemetery. We'll reach out, obtain military honors. We'll help to obtain a military marker that you're entitled to, and, of course, the flag as well. Good. So, again, it highlights and emphasizes the reason to do pre-planning because if you are a veteran or you have a veteran in your family that you want to plan for, you need to work out some of these details ahead of time, don't you? Yes. I joke around with our family sometimes, especially when it's a husband and wife, and I'll ask the veteran, do you know where your discharge is located? And they'll say yes. I said, great. But if you pass away, I'll ask the spouse, do you know where their discharge is located? Because ultimately, you're the one that's going to need to know that information. Mm -hmm. And many times they say yes. Other times they say, oh, no, honey, where is that? What does that look like? So it's important to talk about things ahead of time. Sure. Have you ever been involved in any uh, burial at sea? I've, I've been involved with a cremation burial at sea, mm -hmm. me personally. I know we work with a company that does burial at sea for the body as well, so that is still an option available. There are some restrictions involved. They do it in certain ports, if you will. Right. But it is still something Yeah, it's that a little bit more complicated. So, again, if there's a Navy veteran, for example, who – specifically was interested in burial at sea. It's a little bit more complicated, and again, you need to plan ahead of time to do that. Now, what about autopsies? Under what circumstances does somebody get an autopsy? I know, Tenny, you had a case not long ago where it was an unattended death, and I think, is it true that in that situation, an autopsy is generally required? Generally, there is a state law that relates to that, and I think Tiffany can probably tell us better. That is correct. Any unattended death, if there was an accident, um, sometimes if you were brought into an emergency room within 24 hours. So there are different circumstances surrounding it. Um, but an autopsy can also be performed privately. You don't have to have one of those causes, but that is something that a family would pay the cost out of pocket. Okay. And I have a question of Tiffany, if I might. Sure. Um, I had a client who was in a nursing home. And she didn't know how much longer she had. But her main question was, gosh, I have no family whatsoever. Who's going to take care of my body? Who has the authority 
to move my body to a particular funeral place or whatever. Again, that would fall on legal next of kin. If, if there isn't a legal next of kin, um, it's encouraged that they work with a, an appoint an attorney or a conservator or a guardian to kind of help to oversee those funeral arrangements at the time. So even though a conservatorship or guardianship essentially disappears at the instant of death, that provides legal authority for that named person to do something with the body? We would strongly encourage that a burial take place in that circumstance because cremation is irreversible. If a family member did come out of the woodwork that they were unaware of or just weren't able to get in touch with, they then would then have the rights to oversee, and if needed to, we could do a disinterment. And Tiffany, I know you've been doing this kind of business for at least 10 years, haven't you? Correct. And you must have seen some unusual things over the years. What's the most unusual burial service you've seen or or burial request that you might have seen? Um, So we've had a horse-drawn hearse carriage, so that was pretty nice to see. Um, We've had motorcycles in the funeral home, again, working with military, Mm -hmm. uh, the Freedom Riders, if you will, the Patriot Guard. They get involved to help with any protest that may be taking place. So each funeral is unique in its own way. It It might be as big as a hearse or it might be as little as we had a family. They collected teapots and they had hundreds of teapots. So the family ultimately wanted to get rid of them, but they didn't just want to throw them away. So they brought them in and every guest that was in attendance had each of them take one to as a memory in the loved one's honor. Oh, that's, that's nice. Do they, do they have ashes in them? No, 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 no. Okay, I just needed to ask that question. <laughs> yes, fresh as usual. I'm sorry. I had to ask that question. I had an unusual circumstance. We still do, in fact. Uh, one of our clients died, I want to say, in Michigan. And he was estranged from his entire family. And... Uh, The body, as far as I know, is still at the funeral director's or funeral parlor because nobody is claiming it. And they keep calling us and asking if there's anybody that's going to claim this body. What happens ultimately in that situation? Again, each state is a little bit different. Um, A lot of times we'll work with a medical examiner here in Massachusetts, and they'll do an investigation to try to find family members. Sometimes the individual will remain in the medical examiner's care or they'll be with the funeral home. Hmm. But ultimately, will this poor fellow get buried? Again, each state is different. If it was in Massachusetts, yes, the state and the medical examiner would work together to oversee a proper burial for this man. Jenny, I know you had a case when there was a, a body shipped up COD from Florida. <laughs> is, that the different, is that a different case? It's a different case. The, the family was feuding. And the mother died in fun- in Florida, and uh, a family member down there shipped the coffin <laughs> up to New England. It was supposed to come in to Providence, and the family was waiting there. It uh, came in, unfortunately, to Logan with no one to claim it, and it was a COD arrangement. Oh, boy. Yeah. Sounds like uh, death at a funeral or something in the movie. <laughs> scary. Well, that sounds like a lack of communication it there. It is scary. That's, that's unfortunate. But uh, those things do happen. So I guess it really highlights, again, the reason for doing pre-planning. Um, Tiffany, one of the things that I've been actively involved in is the uh, Masonic fraternity, and I've participated in many, many, many Masonic funerals. Um, so I assume you've seen some of those also. 
Absolutely. And when part of the pre-planning process is we do ask individuals if they're involved in any clubs or organizations, if they're a veteran. Um, and part of doing that is we will reach out to any of those clubs or organizations if they would like to participate in the services, if the family would like that. And especially with the Masons, we'll ask if they have their apron, mm -hmm. if there was a specific lodge that they were affiliated with that we can reach out to them as well. Right. Yep. It's a very dignified service. And if somebody wants to have a Masonic service, usually uh, right in the, ca the coffin or the casket with them, they have their Masonic apron that they're wearing. Uh, and sometimes a lot of the officers will come wearing tuxedos. So it's, it's a nice, dignified uh, send-off. Um, well, let me ask you um, some questions. We've talked a little bit more about cremation, perhaps, than we have about burial. Are there other kinds of things that we need to think about burial? I mean, obviously, you have to plan to pick out what kind of a casket's going to be used, and you have to talk about flowers. Do you want flowers? Do you want donations to a charitable organization instead? Um, what about religious services? I know sometimes people will actually have a religious service right in the funeral home, correct? That is correct. Um, so again, and uh, I'm going to jump back and forth a little bit based on a few things you said, um, but many times people were members of the church, so we'll reach out to the local church. It would be preferred if the service was held here if they were a member, but they will certainly do it in the funeral home. Mm -hmm. For those that were unchurched or unreligious, if you will, we do have a celebrant on our staff, and they will make a personalized service for them. It could be spiritual it can be uh, personal, it, it could be poems, it could be prayers, it, it could be whatever the family wants. Um, they may get a point to sit down with the family, get to know the individual, learn some information about them to share the service. Um, but just to kind of touch back a little bit, you did ask about um, vaults or liners being required, and I did want to clarify one thing. There is a difference between a liner and a vault. A liner okay. is um, a two-piece lid usually, so it is not treated. It is made of concrete. So ultimately, water can get in. The purposes of these outer enclosures is to help to protect the foundation of the earth. Now, some vaults have um, additional mechanisms to help to keep the casket clean and dry. Mm -hmm. hmm. But it means ultimately, I assume, that water will intrude at some point in time. Many years. Mm -hmm. could be a few years. Unfortunately, I don't have tunnel vision. I can't see through the earth. But it, it, it's, the intention is to help to help it a little bit longer than a liner, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I know in the Jewish faith, for example, um, probably both for tradition as well as for health reasons in the uh, Middle East, uh, normally the person is interred and buried within like 24 hours. Correct. And I think it's both cultural and religious as well as uh, health reasons. And then they have a service often after the fact. Before so. we lose track of things, um, I did want to mention and ask Tiffany some questions about Medicaid implications of having prepaid and preplanned your funeral. Just to summarize, the Medicaid regulations do allow for people to prepay their funeral and to make those arrangements uh, ahead of, of the need and have that expense be an exempt expense for Medicaid purposes. Would you talk a little bit about that, Tiffany? Absolutely. So many times when an individual is going into long-term planning, they would recommend that they apply for Mass Health or Medicaid. And part of a way to get qualified is you're limited to the number of assets you can have. 
So as Tenny said, prepaying your funeral is one way to limit your assets to not count against you. They would require that everything be itemized and marked irrevocable. So the itemization, you can't just put aside money and say, oh, this is to be used for the funeral. You actually pick out the services and the merchandise that you would like to have for the funeral services at the time. And I always tell people there is absolutely no harm in doing this. All of us will need this at one point or another. And so it makes sound financial as well as emotional and other reasons to do this planning. Correct. And one thing to add, in addition to prepaying your funeral arrangements, you can also open a $1,500 burial account with a local bank. Now, the individual that it's for um, usually has to go there themselves and open it with a next of kin. Each bank operates a little bit differently, but it does have to be labeled a burial account. And this, too, is allowed for Medicaid because there are some items that they won't allow you to put on a prepaid funeral contract, for example, flowers. Mm-hmm. And, and again, in quick summary on that, it sounds like if you are concerned about spending down money, particularly sometimes at the last minute but preferably in advance, one legal way you can spend money down and qualify for Medicaid eventually is by prepaying funeral and burial expenses. And you can do that either by paying it to the funeral home or you can also, which then goes into an escrowed account, I assume, or you can purchase an insurance policy. So not all insurance policies are Medicaid acceptable. Right. So you do need to be careful with those. The benefit of doing it with a funeral home is most of them will lock in the cost at today's price. So you do obtain cost protection. So if something was set up in 2015 and the individual lived another 10, 15, 20 years, the prices would always be the same as 2015 prices. Mm -hmm. The nice thing, if it's not a Medicaid circumstance and you just want to take care of it because it's the right thing to do, we also offer payment plans as well. So you don't have to pay it as a lump sum. You can do it over time. And again, the emphasis, as always, is on planning, planning, planning. So we're talking this morning with Attorney Tenny Lance from Lance Law, Inc. And Tenny, you do a lot of work in the area of Medicaid planning And I assume that's one of the first things you look for is to find out whether people have prepaid funeral and burial expenses. Is that correct? Yes, certainly part of our service to people in talking about Medicaid is to find as many exempt expenditures as possible for them so that they don't end up having all of the money go to pay the nursing home and then end up without any money left and the family has to scramble about what to do for the funeral. So it's important to protect your house, but it's also important to protect your money. And this is not only a good way to plan for something that has to be done eventually anyway, but it's also a good way to help protect some of your money. So uh, Tiffany Whitty from the um, Dignity Memorial, uh, you handle their pre-planning program, and mostly you're working with Waring Sullivan funeral homes in this area and also the Rock funeral homes in this area. Correct. And you have a wide range of towns that you cover. You've mentioned Dartmouth, Fairhaven, New Bedford, Swansea, Somerset, and Fall River. That's a pretty big area. You must be pretty busy meeting with people, I would imagine. And I love it. I wouldn't change it. And it's creative, isn't it? It is. Like I said, every family is different each and every time. So it, it, it really is something to wake up for to help someone. People usually ask me, why do you do this? Why did, why did you become a funeral director? And it's all about helping people. And it's very rewarding to be able to help a family through a difficult time And then to thank you. I mean, it's their family that just went through a loss. And for them to Mm -hmm. appreciate what you did for them, it's very rewarding in itself. 
Well, it is, and it's a very significant time in anybody's life, in any family's life. And it's why we do what we do at USA Wealth Group. We help people protect their family and protect their money. And, Tenny, you help with the legal documents side and the estate planning. But it really is all about helping people and making sure that you get the most value for your money. Uh, if anybody would like to reach Tiffany Witte, um, you can reach her at 508-995-5772 or 508-676-1933. Let's talk for just a minute about obituaries because I was looking for obituaries when I was preparing for the show. And some of them are really pretty funny that they say, so if you want to say something unusual about yourself or somebody else for that matter, mm-hmm. um, you can do so in somebody's obituary. Uh, as long as you don't slander them, I suppose, Tenny, right? You can't slander somebody in your obituary. <laughs> I'm not sure, but probably not. <laughs> you know, Tiffany, I had a, a client who unfortunately passed away two years ago, and uh, she was married previously and divorced, and they had five parrots, mm. and they had to write in their divorce agreement how the parrots were being handled, and the parents were split up. They got separate custody of some of the parents. I've mentioned this before, but I love the story. And so they had to write in their uh, wills and their estate plans, their trust. In the event that I die, these parents go back to my ex-spouse. And it was a great concern for this woman that I was representing. She was a personal friend. And so she wrote in her trust, in the event of my death before my ex-husband, I leave my two parents to him as long as he's not living with the whore that he left me for. And I said, Joan, you can't write that in your trust. And she says, I want that in my trust. I said, you can't write that. It's called slander by trust. No, I want that in my trust. So we put that in her trust. But obituaries, do you help people sometimes write obituaries? Absolutely. So um, Tenny talked about um, your the funeral planning form that you folks have. And we also have a personal planning guide that we provide to our families at no cost. And in that guide, there is a section that helps us with writing an obituary. Now, the funeral home will certainly do it, but if a family wants to write it themselves, as you mentioned before, Mm -hmm. they're certainly welcome to do that as well. So what we'll do while we're making these pre-planning arrangements is we'll ask them hobbies, we'll ask them interests, any accomplishments, awards, as I mentioned before, clubs and organizations, to try and tie it in to the obituary as well as their survivors and their service information as well. Sure. One thing about our services that makes us unique is we will put a full obituary on our website, on our website, which is a part of our services, and we have the opportunity to have any photos that the family provides to us, an online guest book. So if there's friends or family out of town that are unable to make the services, they can still express their condolences through the web page. Well, there's really a lot to think about. Um, and the earlier somebody can do this, the better. Do it while you're healthy. You know, as much as you think that, well, my spouse or my survivors, they can write whatever they want to about me, everybody has something different in their own life that they're proud of and they want to make sure it gets mentioned. The only way to do that is to do it ahead of time. Um, Tenny and uh, Tiffany, have you ever heard of Clarence Darrow? He was a famous lawyer. He was in the monkey trial, the Scopes trial. He was one of the participants in the Scopes trial. Well, he wrote once, I never wanted to see anybody die, but there are a few obituary notices I have read with pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was a good commentary on obituaries. It's quite true, actually. 
<laughs> so you can write your own obituary. You can emphasize those things that you want to have emphasized. And I think that's a very useful thing to do. I tell families when they're filling out our planning guide that the page is used for multiple reasons. A, it'll help with the obituary. B, it'll also help with clergy, like I said, if they're unable to, to be in attendance of church or they just don't have one so they can make it more personal. But lastly, it gives them a chance to toot their own horn one last time. Mm. We also include in our estate planning documents um, a, a fairly lengthy form that allows you to write your autobiography. Um, and I always find that very important. When my mom and dad were older, um, I, I went once on a trip with my mom and dad to my dad's family farm, and I recorded his voice as he was describing how they used to ride the milk wagon down into Worcester and all those sorts of things. If you don't preserve those remembrances, either in writing or on tape or whatever, I guess there's no tape anymore, but anyway, um, then they will be lost forever. And it's so important to keep that information. Tony, I know one of the things you do in your business is not only estate planning for people, but you also create pet trusts sometimes. We do. That's now allowed by Massachusetts law. Um, and so if anyone wants to provide for the pet after death um, in the sense that they want to be sure that the pet is fed and cared for and taken to the vet and then properly buried. So we can pr- include those provisions in an estate planning document. Tiffany, I have a quick question to ask you. Uh, does Dignity Memorial do anything with um, pet Burials or anything like that? Um, not in Massachusetts. Okay, but you do in other states? I believe so. Oh, okay. I guess there would not be a pet obituary, however. Well, we're going to wrap up here and um, remind people that you're listening to Money Wise. We like to talk about subjects that are important to protect your family and protect your money. Our subject today has been to talk about funeral and burial planning. And I hope that you've learned something today that will make it important for you to get some advice. Go see Attorney Tenny Lance at Lance Law, Inc. You can reach her at 508-998-8858 or certainly get in touch with Tiffany Witte um, at the Dignity Memorial. And she's uh, working primarily with the Rock Funeral Homes and the Waring Sullivan Funeral Homes, uh, all the local communities. And give her a call at 508-995-5772 or 508-676-1933. Ladies, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you. Is there a few more seconds so I can say one more thing? Excellent. So we kept talking about the Dignity Memorial Network. What the Dignity Memorial Network is, it's a group of funeral homes, cemeteries, and crematories throughout the United States and Canada. So we're all brother and sister funeral homes. So if a death occurred out of state we would work inter-officely with them as if a death occurred here in our backyard and maybe Dartmouth. Good point. So the nice thing is it helps to keep costs down for families, but we also have travel protection to prevent that before a death occurs as well. Great. Thank you so much for listening to MoneyWise. We'll see you again next week on the radio. Thank you.